What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Friday, August 17th, week two of the preseason is underway. The New York Football Jets played. Uh, there were three games on Thursday night. We're going to recap those. And then, we're, oh, by the way, my name is Will Brinson. I'm your host, the daily NFL podcast here on CBS Sports. We're going to recap those with Ryan Wilson. Then we're going to bring on Heath Cummings to take a look at what you should be watching for on Friday and Saturday as it relates to preseason games and as it relates to your fantasy drafts. You're all going to be drafting in the next two weeks. You want to pay attention to this. Heath is one of the best in the biz, and it's a fun conversation. We will talk about beer. Spoiler, there's a minute. I'll let you know ahead of time. You can skip ahead if you want to be a jerk face. Fast forward button on there. Uh, also on your phone, along with the fast forward button, is a subscribe button. You should subscribe to this podcast. Rate, review, tell your friends. I'm not going to beg you to unsubscribe and then resubscribe. But if you want to, go for it. It won't hurt. Don't cost nothing. In the meantime, let's get to this action to talk to Ryan Wilson. Ryan Wilson underscore 07 on Twitter. You can't escape it, buddy. What did you think about the preseason games? More importantly, are you glad that the Steelers offense now centers around James Washington and Jalen Samuels? I'm laughing because you got the old uh, Samuels NC State reference in there. Scored his first touchdown. He did score a touchdown. Uh, he's not as dynamic yet in the Steelers offense as he was at NC State. But uh, James Washington looks really good, and, mm. and I think that um, he is not going to put up the numbers Martavis Bryant put up his rookie season as the number three wide receiver. But I think he's going to have a very good rookie season. I think Juju Smith-Schuster's moving to the number two role, and uh, he will get certainly more looks. And Of course, Antonio Brown's going to be out there. But I feel like that uh, James Washington could be uh, really good. Mason uh, Rudolph is not going to be really good. His first wow. pass of the night, his first start of his NFL career, a pick of six. Teron Williams, <laughs> who actually is older than you, had a pick six. He was more surprised than you actually were that it happened. And um, I think the bigger story... Not he is Steelers, not older than me, but it's close. We're, it's we're, close. It's close. It's close. The bigger story wasn't the Steelers got blown out 51 to 34. Uh, the bigger story was that your prediction from a month ago is about to come true. The Eagles are going to miss the playoffs. They yeah. got smoked. Well, that yeah, and we'll get back to the Steelers in a second, but let's talk to the talk about the Eagles. That that was the headline from uh, Thursday night's action. They lose thirty-seven to twenty to Tom Brady, who threw for two touchdowns and one hundred and seventy-two yards. Looks very Tom Brady-esque, despite I don't believe Rob Gronkowski playing and and obvious and, and Julian Edelman wasn't out there either, right? Jules was out there. I don't think Gronk okay. was out there. Okay, no Gronk. Yeah, Jules can't play for the first month, so they're getting his money's getting worth his reps now. In now. I remember, of course, Julian Edelman tore his ACL in a preseason week three game last year. year ago, that's um, right. So he is he, he's probably as close to 100% as he's going to be, but it should give you some indication about where Carson Wentz is because he's three months behind Julian Edelman in terms of his rehab. Exactly. And then the guy who's been backing up Carson Wentz and who won the Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles, suffered a strange shoulder on a hit, and I believe it led to a fumble or a pick. Fumble return for six points. Fumble Adrian to- Claiborne, who sacked uh, Dak Prescott 47 times last year. That's right. Um, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, sacked him six think, yeah. times in one when game. When he was with the Falcons, yep. and now he's signed with the uh, Patriots this offseason. need to shore up that defensive line, which was sort of embarrassed in the Super Bowl. They, um, they looked a lot better in, in this preseason Super Bowl rematch where Nick Foles looked exactly like Nick Foles that looked every moment of his career, save January and February 2018. <laughs> and, of course, like Nick Foles is writhing, you know, like arm falling off, shoulder might be have to be amputated, and Pete Prisco is tweeting through it, Nick Foles looked like crap. crap <laughs> yeah. like, Nick Foles looked it's, like crap, just to be honest. He is like uh, the president in that he watches, <laughs> he seems to watch these, these things to get him angry on, like, two to four hour tape delay. So right. you get these tweets sort of at random times and you're wondering what he's doing. And I'm pretty sure that Pete's like late on the DVR, but yeah, he wasn't happy with, with Nick Foles performance to be fair. Nick Foles was terrible, but it, that was, just seemed like a weird, weird time to call him crap when he was basically hanging, had one arm hanging by his side. Well, and but the, apparently his shoulder strain's fine. So don't, well, don't drop him off your fantasy team. It says, uh, Nick Foles, apparently I see Adam Schefter tweeting this said that he feels quote, pretty good. Um, but the Eagles, uh, plan to give, have him go undergo tests. Look, now Nick Foles might end up being fine, Ryan, but this does go to my point about, um, the Eagles in the playoffs. And I'm not, I'm not wishing they miss the playoffs. I like the Eagles. I'd be fine if they make the playoffs. But here's the thing. If Carson Wentz isn't ready to start the season, 
and or has some sort of setback or ha- you know goes out there and plays and then re-injures his knee and Nick Foles hurts his shoulder or Nick Foles just sucks, which is entirely possible because he's a, a streaky quarterback, the Eagles' offense is not guaranteed to be dynamic and explosive the way it was with Wentz last year and the way it was with Nick Foles down the stretch. They're probably going to be missing Alshon Jeffrey. They don't have LeGarrette Blunt anymore. Um, they've got Jason Peters coming off an injury. I get that they're deep and loaded. This is It's a new season. This is not last year. This is not January. They need everybody to be healthy if they want to win. And I'm not saying the Eagles are going to collapse or anything, but I think there are the warning signs are there for the Eagles to potentially take a step back. Here's what I was thinking about while I was watching Nick Foles throw balls 40 feet over his receivers' heads before he got hurt. Uh, Doug Peterson, the coach, is on the sidelines, probably thinking to himself before the game, under no circumstances am I going to bring Carson Wentz back because he is not ready in week one of the regular season. I think that's probably going to not going to happen, uh, despite the fact that we were talking about it a few months ago. But after watching Nick Foles' performance, I wonder if Doug Peterson's like, well, <laughs> this guy is dog crap. Uh, let's put Wentz out there. He's 87 to 90%. He'll be okay. And then Wentz goes out there in, weeks one, in week one, isn't the quarterback he, he can be in terms of mobility, gets hurt, and then they're stuck with Nate Sudfeld for the rest of the season, and they win four games. Right, and then all of a sudden, nobody's calling me out in the Super Bowl parade because the Eagles do miss the playoffs. It, it just warrants it warrants watching. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how Winch progresses. Let's see if he's ready to go. Uh, speaking of warranting a watch, how did the Patriots running backs uh, shake out? I see that Jeremy – I didn't watch all of this game. Jeremy Hill got six carries for 31 yards. Mike Gillisley, nine carries for 21 yards. James White, four for 31. White the most involved player in the passing game led the Patriots in receiving six targets, six catches, 61 yards and a score. Also scoring Corderell Patterson. Your boy Jules had five targets for four catches. Um, Philip Dorsett, three targets, one catch. And, uh, Chris Hogan, seven, seven targets, five catches, 25 yards and a touchdown. They still have plenty of weapons. Corderell could be interesting. And I don't think he's a great, mm. it, I don't know. He's not, yeah, I'm, I'm hesitating because. That guy is so freakishly athletic, but Such a the Patriots aren't record. very good with receivers, mm. and they've never had a great track record with making taking receivers that weren't, let's be honest, weren't like white lacrosse players and making them into <laughs> something, or former quarterbacks like Julian Edelman. I mean, Chris Hogan's, we know what he can do. We know Julian Edelman can do. Wes Welker, we, we know that the list goes on and on. Even, even uh, James has the last name White. James White was amazing. He had a fantastic game. In yeah. fact, he was so good that Dave Richard, our fantasy football expert, expert was tweeting during the game that uh, he was revising his running back rankings uh, based on White's performance. And he's like, he should be no worse than a 10th round pick and per- perhaps much sooner than that. James White has gone in, in, in our fantasy football CBS uh, writer's draft, which is uh, no surprise. I think what are around nine or whatever. But uh, he, he made it. He looked like Deion Lewis out there. So, uh, Deion Lewis is now in Tennessee and we'll see how he does, but he was, he was a big part of that running game last year. Now they have White. Jeremy Hill's trying to make this team. He and Gillisley are probably battling out for the last spot. They may have a little respite with Sonny Michelle, their first round pick. Um, not a hundred percent. So we'll see there. But, uh, going back to Patterson, like Chad Jackson, I don't know if you remember him in 2006. Second, 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 round, second round pick. Yeah. Out of Florida ran like a 3840. Terrible. He, <laughs> I think he was the second running, uh, one of the top wide receivers taken a few picks after Santonio Holmes because the Steelers traded for him. Uh, Chad Johnson went there. He was terrible. I, I mean, there's a list of guys who have freakish athletic ability and just they haven't worked out in this offense for whatever reason. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm glad that Patterson's doing well. He's a good special teams player, but I don't know if he's going to suddenly change the way that that passing game works. They have Gronk. They have uh, Edelman after four games. They have Hogan. Um, they need something from Kenny Brett, who's, who hasn't even practiced all training camp. So I suspect he makes a team just out of, uh, just because of the numbers, but maybe he doesn't. Uh, all that said, Tom Brady's 41, 19 to 26, 172 yards, two touchdowns, and he looked to be in midseason form. So, yeah. you know, that's where it starts. Yeah, Patriots are going to be fine. And good, good call by Dave on James White. I, I'll buy it. It needs to be a PPR format. If it's a non-PPR format, Hold off on James White because he, he he's he's hard to start in non PPR just because he's not going to get the carries uh, that you want him to get on a week to week basis. He's all four for thirty one. Look, a hundred yards that's great, but 
hold off. In hey, one of- more thing too, by the way. Sure. Sorry. Um, we, you know, we clowned the Patriots defense all of last season. If tonight is any indication, Thursday night, week two against the uh, Eagles with their MVP Super Bowl starting quarterback, this defense looks markedly better, mm. starting with the front seven, which is what was their their sort of Achilles heel. Dante Hightower's back, the, the, the linebacker who didn't play much of last season. We'll see about the secondary, but uh, the front seven was, was causing problems. And, I mean, that just means they're going to win the AFC East by – a larger margin somehow than than what we previously thought if that defense is playing well. Unless Teddy Bridgewater can lead the Jets to the AFC East title, which he probably cannot do, but Teddy B looked fantastic for the uh for the Jets. 127 yards, a touchdown, a really impressive touchdown where you're scrambling all around, evading pressure, playing against third string guys for the Redskins. So I mean, you know, bouncers and bartenders as as uh, Prisco likes to call. That's right. Guys who are going to be on the street in 2 weeks. Um but I thought Teddy B looked good. He had a pick. wasn't necessarily his fault. Ball bounced around a little bit. He is going to either – I don't think he's going to steal the job because I think Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold's job to have. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to play himself into a situation where the Jets are going to be offered a nice little package for him, maybe from – um, you know, somebody like the Buccaneers who have to start Ryan Fitzpatrick or maybe. Oh, some, the Browns are going to trade for him. Or the Browns. Sure. Why not? Or, uh, or the, or the Broncos. How about the Broncos? Yeah. No, it makes sense. I, I mean, we heard John Elway say on Thursday that he wanted Kaepernick, but Kaepernick didn't want to come. There were some circumstances around that, but they need, I mean, here's the thing. I was talking to our buddy Chad Dukes, the, the, he does the, uh, the sports show in, in DC. Um, and he was asking me about the, the Paxton Lynch game last week. Paxton Lynch, and this is what I said, looked almost identical to Brock Osweiler. <laughs> and if that's what's on your resume, you are not long for the NFL. And, and he, they certainly need help uh, in the backup role. Chad Kelly's the number two now, and I think that's an interesting development. I don't know if he's number two because he hasn't played football in 600 days prior to last week. But we know what Teddy Bridgewater can do. It's a one-year deal. You can trade him to wherever, get a fourth-round pick maybe if you're the Jets. And uh, roll with Darnold. Whatever happens, happens. And then you have McCown backing him up. And McCown is quite happy to be a mentor. He's been doing that for five or six years now. He was doing doing it in Cleveland with, with Johnny Manziel back in 2014. So, yeah, Bridgewater's look great. He's looked better than Darnold, and Darnold's look really good. Uh, less so against the Redskins on Thursday than he did in his debut. But um, as you point out, Bridgewater was playing against a bunch of scrubs. But he was sharp. And for a guy who threw two passes the last two years, I think, that's impressive. And in a league where quarterbacks are at a premium, he's he's a top thirty five quarterback. Yeah. I mean JLC pointed out of the podcast that the Jets might have two might have three top forty quarterbacks between McCown, Darnold, and, and Teddy B. And I don't I think they're I look, they're gonna go with Darnold because it, it, as good as Teddy B might look and might be, it's hard to start him when he's on a one year deal and Darnold is the future. And you gotta go with the future. And I get that. Um, the Redskins defensive line is gonna be better than people think. Uh, on the, on the Redskins offensive side of the ball, oh boy, Darius Geis, of course, lost in week one with a torn ACL on, on his third carry of the, uh, of his third preseason carry of his career. Samaj Pirine had one carry for 30 yards and hurt. immediately got hurt. And then, uh, uh, who else got hurt? Byron Marshall. Byron Marshall got hurt. He had two carries for one yard. Um, so they literally have 1.3 burning backs left. Right. Martez Carter led them in rushing with seven carries for 45 yards. Chris Thompson had one carry for 17 yards. Nobody believes he can be a feature back. Fit Rob Kelly needs to go back to being fat. He had seven carries for 17 yards. You could just see a marked difference, Ryan, in terms of that offense lacking Darius Geis and needing mm-hmm. that explosion in the running game. I don't think they had it. Um I worry about the offense from that perspective. Colt McCoy was fine. Uh, Alex Smith, four, six, 48 yards. One series. Yeah. He was okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. Booger McFarlane, McFarlane, who's now part of the new Monday night football crew. What'd you, what'd, perch- you, what'd you think about that setup for them? He's doing what Paul McGuire used to do on the Sunday night setup 20 years ago, 15 years ago, where they put him out on his perch out in the middle, <laughs> in the corner of the end zone or whatever uh, on a riser. And he made the point that uh, the Redskins will not miss Darius guys because they have uh, Samaje and, and Rob Kelly. And I'm thinking uh, either it's really dark where Booger McFarland's sitting or he knows nothing about football. But that's uh, completely and absolutely wrong. And, of course, I'm the guy who said a few weeks ago that Alex Smith could be in the MVP conversation. Um, he could do well, but they need help at the running game. And the problem was last year that running game ranked 28th 
according to Football Outsiders, and that's that that's with Kirby Cousins, who's now in, in Minnesota, obviously. So I think what's going to happen is, uh, you know, the cuts are coming uh, right before, right around Labor Day, the final 53-man roster, and they're going to have to sign two or three guys, relatively big names, to get cut elsewhere and, and just pray that it works out. And the good news is you can find running backs just about anywhere. The bad news is currently none of those running backs are on their roster. That's right, and uh, they're not going to drag DeMarco Murray out of uh, out of retirement. I would say that for – look, if, so, if you're out there and you bet on the Jets plus one, I'm sorry, man. I, t- I said to parlay the Jets plus one in the over, and it should have gone over. If you look at these freaking field goals, every single one of them, uh, there was a touchdown to Teddy B. The extra point was blocked. 26-yarder, 35-yarder, 22-yarder, 21-yarder, and a 40-yarder. Everyone but the last one was inside the red zone, and neither team could capitalize on it. And the Jets should have covered 13-12, to 12, but the freaking Hopkins buries a field goal at the last second that knuckled in. So I'm sorry for that one. I'll do Better. I'll try and find you a lock. We might have to tweet it out, but I'll try and find you a lock for uh, for for Sunday for for Friday and Saturday. Um, By the way, quickly, Kevin Hogan was the guy. It was the uh, third string quarterback who led that final game winning drive. Former Browns player, another former Browns quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser had a pretty good evening in Green Bay. Uh, just further evidence that maybe playing in Cleveland isn't what uh, <laughs> that might be the problem. Cleveland might be might be the problem. Um. When you look at the Steelers, and we gotta go quickly because I've somehow, we've somehow meandered it deep into 20 minute territory. That's fine. It's fine. Not a problem. Uh, when you look at the, uh, the Steelers, do you see an offense that can be the best in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell didn't play uh, against the Packers. Uh, the offensive line's really good. Um, Le'Veon will be back. They'll be fine. James Washington, as we talked about at the top, uh, had an impressive evening. So, He'll get some looks as the number three. Uh, it always comes down to the defense, and it always comes down to beating the Patriots, two things they've struggled with in recent years. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, they can score 28 points a game, no problem. It's just a matter of whether they can uh, stop anyone. Terrell Evans, the first-round pick, the safety at Virginia Tech, was he was torched, but he didn't have a chance against stopping Jimmy Graham on, on the, the first drive where he caught what will be one of many touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, do Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser both make the Packers? I think so. I was actually wondering about that during the game. They both played really well. But, again, you know, bouncers and, and uh, bartenders, bartenders you're playing against. But they both look really, really good. And, and how often do the Packers carry three three quarterbacks? I'm not sure. But um, basically Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser are the same person. So I think you keep them both in case one gets hurt and then you have, uh, you know, Aaron's backup. All right, that's the uh, that's the play. I am going to lob out a. Uh, I think the play for uh, for Friday night. Here's the play, and I'll tweet out a Saturday night play. Let's take the Chiefs minus one at the Falcons. Chiefs minus one at one fifteen. Actually, no, 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 no. Sorry, Panthers minus three. Panthers are going to blow out the Dolphins. The Dolphins can't play Ryan Tannehill that long, and that means it's going to be time for some garbage. Panthers are going to blow out the Dolphins. Give me the Panthers minus tres, uh at home against the Dolphins on Friday night, uh, and that is your preseason lock for Friday night. Let's, uh, Ryan, always a pleasure, at Ryan Wilson underscore seven. Let's go talk to Heath Cummings. Thanks, buddy. You got it. All right, now that we've recapped Thursday night, we're going to dive headfirst into Friday. Joining us to do that, the one, the only, Heath Cummings. Heath, what's happening, buddy? Oh, we're talking about football? I thought I was coming on to talk about beer. Oh, we are. No, we recapped what I drank for Thursday. <laughs> now we're going to recap. You know, so there's like, there's this weird segment of this podcast, the listeners of this podcast, where it's like 75% of the people on the podcast love when I talk about beer, and 25% effing hate it like they leave itunes reviews they send me emails they're like hey could you maybe spend a little bit less time talking about beer heath and i are going to spend a minute right now talking about beer so if you want to fast forward by all means do it heath went on a tour of breweries up and down the east coast starting in florida what was the best brewery you hit on your trip i think you went as, as far north as charleston yeah, Charleston was the actual destination. I okay. stopped in St. Augustine on the way and then, and then loved it so much. We actually stopped in St. Augustine on the way back as well. Hit 15 breweries wow. over six days. And like I say that and people think, man, how did you even – I don't go to breweries trying to get smashed. I go because I want to try a bunch of different flavors. I want to meet 
I, I think like going to breweries that are not the mainstream ones and just meeting the people that run the places and seeing all the different environments. That's one of the, one of the best things about it. I think your suggestion mm. may have been the best brewery on the trip. And that was Westbrook Brewing. And it, it was, it was one of the more mainstream ones. And the beer sure. that you actually suggested I try was not one of my favorites. Wow. But, but their, their stouts and their IPAs were so good. I, um, so I actually, I've, I haven't been to Westbrook because I haven't been back to Charleston, um, since they really got big. Uh, Charleston has a great beer scene, but I mean, I, Westbrook's beer makes it to Raleigh very frequently and I am, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's out there, I'll drink it. They always, they have a, they have a rinse repeat, uh, IPA that they do with different hops that they pop in there and it's, it's usually very good, usually pretty hazy, but sometimes it'll be different kind of stuff. And then the Mexican cake stout. Uh, is what I suggested trying. It's one of those that's very popular when it comes out, but it, it looked like you had better variations of stouts that they had uh, as draft room only stuff anyway. Okay, I need to clarify. The Mexican cake stout was actually awesome, and I had two different variations of that. Oh. That wasn't the one that I remembered you suggesting for me. It Did, was a more of a summer beer that my wife really liked. Oh, the I, oh the uh, the key lime gosa. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. not really my style. Right. I am not a gosa guy. I, I'm an IPA, a porter, a stout guy. Yeah. The thing about it was they they had so many different collaborations with yeah. different breweries, and that was one of the things about being in Charleston. I mean, 11 of the breweries we went to were in Charleston, and at almost every one, you'd see someone wearing a tire from a different brewery. <laughs> it's such a great community, and they all work so well together, and you'd see a beer from a different place, and it was uh, – but Westbrook was just – it was almost like the Taj Mahal of yeah. the Charleston breweries. They do, they do a really good job with their stouts. And yeah, you're right. You're a, you're a, I may, I might have to bring down a stout from North Carolina for you. I, I think I'm coming down in, in two weeks for, um, some sort of event that may or may not be going on uh, at the office. But if I do, I will, I will pack, uh, a stout from North Carolina or some sort of beer from North Carolina and IPA press yes. and bring it down and, and we can, we can share that. Um, let's talk about football coming up this weekend. This is, a, this is, this is week two, which is not as big as week three. But still a very important week in terms, probably the, the second most important week in terms of how we lay out guys for fantasy football and how we look at these different jobs unfolding and sort of how you tweak, um, what you think about different players. You and I were talking before we started, for instance, the Chiefs are playing on Friday night, uh, against the Falcons, who, who looked pretty toothless, uh, in their first preseason game. But again, defensive preseason game doesn't matter. When you're looking at the Chiefs and, and all the assets that they have, as you, you know, you pointed out, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, all five of those guys are going to be starting for some kind of somebody's team in a regular draft. If you have somebody, one of those guys on your bench, you're loaded. Uh, what are you looking at to see from the Chiefs and that offense in the second uh, go around with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? Well, there's two things, and I think the most important one's that offensive line because it looked absolutely dreadful against Houston. This was a Houston defense they played that should have been toothless. There was no J.J. Watt, there was no J. Clowney, there was there was nothing that should have been threatening, and they could not keep defenders away from Patrick Mahomes. I thought Mahomes looked okay, other than one throw where he missed Kelsey just terribly. So the offensive line's the big thing that would affect everyone. The second biggest thing is one that I don't know how much we've really talked about, but Sammy Watkins did not get a target in that first preseason game, which, well, fine, whatever. But he's also coming off a season when he only got 70 targets in L.A. and everybody thought the Rams were crazy for not throwing him the ball more. And most of the reports we're hearing at a training camp is Mahomes really locked in with Tyreek Hill but not throwing the ball to Sammy Watkins as often. Is this maybe a situation where Sammy Watkins isn't getting as open or there's just a problem with the connection there? I almost expect them to force something to Watkins early in this game. It, maybe Sammy Watkins sucks. Uh, no, I'm just, I, I like Sammy Watkins. I like him a lot in, I do too. In terms of being a player. And I think that the fit with the Chiefs is very good. And I talked to, I mean, this is the owners meeting several months ago, but Andy Reid hinted not so subtly when I asked him that he, yes, he would be using Sammy Watkins in the screen game a lot like they did in Clemson. And I mean, the, the talent, the fit, the offensive guy, the mind works. I'm just a little gun, and the value in drafts is great for me with Sammy Watkins. A little gun shy about, um, you know, his production in in the NFL in general. But I think that this, you're right. I think this is a time where they need to force feed him, and you do need to see. Do you do you care about seeing anything from the from the Falcons in this game at all in terms of offensive uh, output, or are you are you pretty well set in your your opinion on uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones? 
I'm pretty well said. I think Matt Ryan got a bad rap for last year. He, they had some pretty rotten luck in the red zone as you, far as you touchdowns and I, go. You and I are team hashtag team team Matty Ice. By the way, I mean like we're you you like to draft quarterbacks late. I like to do it. Um, Matt Ryan to me, I will be targeting him in every one of my drafts because he now, is dirt cheap. Yeah, the the problem I have with him, and I, I, two years ago I, I loved the value he was, but what we've seen two years in a row now, the Falcons have only thrown the ball about 530 times. Mm. And he really had a lot of success based on chucking it 600 times, kind of like Matthew Stafford for four or five years in a row. And so, I, I mean, I'd like to see them throw the ball a little more, and that may be dependent on their defense. If their defense is toothless, then maybe we get to see Ryan throw the ball a little more. Perhaps. Um, elsewhere, there are some running back battles to monitor. The Detroit Lions are basically pa- baby Patriots in terms of their coach being from the Patriots. And yes. they got LeGarrette Blunt, and they have a talented rookie in Kerryon Johnson, and we don't know exactly what to expect. Do you think that Johnson can establish himself as the feature guy over the course of the next two weeks heading into the season? They've talked like they don't necessarily want to have a feature guy, but we've heard that from a lot of teams in the past. And when one guy is just a lot better than everyone else, it ends up being that type of situation. I think Carryon Johnson is that guy. I think he's better than everyone else on the roster. I'd like to see him continue to show that in this game because if he's in a situation where Theo Riddick's taking third down work and LeGarrette Blunt's taking short yardage work, it doesn't really matter how good Carryon Johnson is. It's hard for him to be a quality starter for your team. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm just worried they're going to give the ball to Garrett Blunt at the goal line. Do you, do, yes. you, do you think there's anything to learn? Do you think they will show that hand in the preseason? Like, do you, like, are there tendencies there that we can look for tonight from the Lions that will actually prove that out to be a factual occurrence? I don't know that that's the case, but I do think that most NFL coaches are still pretty results oriented, especially when it comes to goal line work. We see guys get stuffed at the one a couple of times and all of a sudden they're trying somebody else in short yardage. So my dream scenario for Carryon Johnson is they don't really have any need to use LeGarrette Blunt in the preseason, and so they give him a few short yardage carries, and he looks really good on those. And they're like, oh, okay, Carryon Johnson's good from the one as well. Maybe we don't have to put LeGarrette Blunt in. Um, that would be ideal for people who are drafting him. So Saquon Barkley is on the other. He won't. He, I highly doubt he'll play for the Giants. They may have already ruled him out. For all I know, um, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, as we do with the show. Um, but the thing with Saquon, I've got a ton of questions either on Twitter or via email from people on Saquon who are in, I was answering one in a dynasty startup today where a guy uh, was saying, he was asking me what percentage of his, of his budget he would be willing to spend on Saquon. Uh, people are like, how high can you take Saquon? And I think, I think there are people out there where if he's healthy going into their draft, will spend anywhere from a second to a fifth round, a fifth overall pick on him. Where do you stand on, on, on Barkley in terms of the hierarchy of the top tier running backs? And do you think that he has gotten to the point where he's overvalued at this, at this, at this, uh, juncture in the preseason? At this point, I think he is a little bit overvalued. That first carry was very good. It was, it was great to get excited about. The next three weren't so hot. but right. and, and I think this is kind of a similar situation to the Chiefs. We expect the Giants' offensive line to be improved, but it's still kind of a mishmash group of guys that haven't spent that much time playing together. And for the most part, they didn't look very good in their first preseason game. So I, I would like to see some more from the Giants' offensive line before I start bumping them up that high. There's no way... I don't think there's anything that could happen in this preseason that would make me, other than an injury, that would make me put him in my top four running backs. But he's in that discussion with Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, and non-PPR. He, he could be number five. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, got a, I've got the sixth pick in my main league, and I've basically been informed that David Johnson's going to be there because somebody's going to take Saquon Barkley and somebody's going to take Alvin Kamara, and I am perfectly fine with it. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, to the Browns, because the Browns, he, the Browns are fan, the Browns are fantasy friendly. Thank you. Thank you, fantasy gods. Or, or, or are they? I, I kind of believe that they are. I've always been a Tyrod Taylor guy. Yes. And I think it's really weird that every time I talk about how I'm a Tyrod Taylor guy, I get tweets from Bills fans saying he's not <laughs> as good as you think he is. It's the only fan base who doesn't like their quarterback as much as we do. But that's okay. He's not on the Bills anymore. This is a revenge game for Tyrod. <laughs> revenge uh, <laughs> preseason game. I like it. Uh, I want to see if they continue to – Jarvis Landry has talked about how his route tree is a lot bigger in Cleveland than it was in Miami. 
And he's gotten a bad rap as a guy that's going to average nine or ten yards per reception. But I really think there's a situation where he continues to get 130 plus targets, but we see that yard per reception go up, and he may be a borderline number one wide receiver. Wow. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it is easy to pick on Jarvis Landry for catching 100 balls and not averaging over 10 yards a catcher, which is we're not getting a thousand yards, which is just it's really it's almost borderline hard to do. Um, the idea that Todd Haley could take a PPR friendly, shorter, you know, quality route runner with a lot of speed, and he's not, I'm not saying he's Antonio Brown, but I mean, right. the, Todd, this is a guy that Todd Haley can use, like, and and do really good things with. I, I think he's also undervalued in that spectrum of, of wide receivers in that next, in that next second or third tier of wide receivers. What about David Njoku, who caught two touchdowns in the pre, in the first preseason game, has always had tons of upside, is on hard knocks, showed off his, his muscles, and my goodness, that man is, is sculpted to, to no, to no end. Uh, I, I think you can grab him as your second tight end with an upside as a tight end one, right? Oh yeah, I think there's that tier of tight ends. Listen, there's probably eight good tight ends in fantasy this year, and then there's about 17 guys that are just do they score a touchdown this week? Joku is in that second tier of tight ends, but he has the ability to make the leap. The big thing was he caught those passes. He's had a little bit of an issue with drops in camp and in his career, and so yeah, I think one of the reasons I am so excited about this Browns offense. You mentioned him is Todd Haley. And I think he can make Tyrod Taylor a better quarterback. And I think Joku could absolutely be a top 10 tight end. Right. That's what to look for the Browns and how their offense continues to perform. Also, it's worth watching in that, that running game too, because we don't know how this is going to shake out with, with Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde. Nick Chubb is going crazy late in drafts. And to me, given that the Browns have a, a good offensive line with the missing Joe Thomas and they're going to try and run the ball to take some pressure off Tyrod Taylor. I think there's some value there on a rookie that they spent a second round pick on. Yeah, but didn't that, that first game that they played, the fact that Carlos Hyde gets the first three carries oh, of the game and then doesn't concerning. play again? Yeah. That, that looks a lot like no position battle at all. I, I mean, I think Chubb's good and I think if he, Hyde's had some injury problems in the past, but it might just be that Chubb is more of a handcuff at this point and Hyde's going to be the guy until he gives him a reason not to be. And I've always been a pretty big fan of Carlos Hyde's talent. That's, uh, that's, watch for that too. Anyone listening, because if he's right, if they give Carlos Hyde three carries or six carries and put him on ice, that means he's the starting running back and they want to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. So that that will certainly be a potential takeaway. Uh, how do you feel about the Panthers offense and, and what they've done or what do you want to see from the Panthers against the Dolphins on, on Friday night? Because it looked to me like what North Turner wants to do. He's going to he's going to figure out a way to get, get Cam Newton to 60 percent completions if it has to if it involves Cam one read and dump off to the to the nearest option, whether it's DJ Moore or Christian McCaffrey. It feels like they're operating in a totally different offense, putting guys in space near the line of scrimmage and letting them get yak, not forcing Cam to make str- throws and stretch the field. Is that a net plus, net net negative? Uh, how does that work for those targets, and, and do you think we'll see more of the same? I think it's a net plus, and I think if you want to do that, then DJ Moore is your guy. I'm not sure what role Devin Funches has in an offense like that, other than coming in in the red zone and posting up, and he's pretty good at that. Like That's the one thing that Devin Funches is better than DJ Moore. I want to see more of of DJ Moore, and I want to see Cam targeting him. I kind of almost don't because I want to keep getting him so late in fantasy drafts, but I think there's no question he's going to be their best wide receiver by the end of the year. I'd just like for it to happen by week one. The interesting thing will be, because there was a lot of buzz around the fact that Christian McCaffrey was getting all the first-team touches at running back, mm. and there's been the, the silly 25 to 30 touches a game comments for McCaffrey. I still kind of think C.J. Anderson may be a bit of a value. I, I do have one question on the Panthers, and that is Norv's never really had a running quarterback. No, he's, I don't think he has ever, ha- ever had a running quarterback. And they're not going to run. Maybe, no, I'll have to look, but I don't think – I think you're right. I don't think he's ever had – He's never had to design like, uh, QB sne- or like QB draws that Cam, their option runs that Cam will run. And I don't think there's a chance that we just stop seeing Cam Newton run, but if he runs 10, 15% less, if they hand the ball off more in the red zone as, as opposed to Cam running it in, that, that could be a negative for his fantasy value. Mm, that's worth watching. I, I don't think, I don't think we'll learn a lot about that in the preseason though. I think they'll keep Cam under wraps. Remember they yep. tried to force, they tried to force that narrative last year. We're not going to run Cam. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. Right, right, right. You're not going to run Cam. <laughs> Nobody's going to run Cam Newton. Uh, the, the nightcap on Friday is an eight o'clock game between the Cardinals and the Saints. 
Can Alvin Kamara, can we learn anything about Alvin Kamara as a quote-unquote feature back for the first four games of the regular season um, based on what we see from him in the preseason? Will the Saints use him as that feature back? Is there somebody else that we need to look for, maybe a Boston Scott type, to pop up and, and steal carries early on in the year? I am kind of under the impression, it's the exact opposite of what Pete Frisco said, I know. Pete told us on the Fantasy Football Today podcast he thought Kamara was getting 300 touches this year. I don't think that's actually going to happen. I'm a pretty big believer in the idea that Mark Ingram, as soon as he comes back, is going to be in a pretty similar role to what he was last year. And so, yeah, I do think somebody for the first four weeks, whether it's Boston Scott or maybe Terrence West reemerges to take 12 carries a game, uh, I do think there's somebody that's going to share the load with him in the first four weeks. And look, if Alvin Kamara, I was doing a radio spot here locally, and somebody asked me about Christian McCaffrey, can he be Alvin Kamara? And what Alvin Kamara was in 2017. Well, no, nobody can be what Alvin Kamara was in 2017. It's historically impossible to lead the league in yards per carry rushing and average uh, 10 yards per catch in back-to-back seasons. Like, maybe it could happen, but it's really unlikely. And Chris McCaffrey and, and Alvin Kamara, Heath, and as I'm sure you're aware, basically had the same number of touches. Yep. Like, almost identical between targets, uh, catches, and, and rushing attempts, off by like three or four on each one of those. The difference was Kamara was just crazy efficient because he has a good offensive mind calling the plays and didn't put him in a bad spot. I think if they try to run Kamara into the line, if they try to run him like a feature back, he's gonna, you're gonna see his, his yards per carry plummet. He's gonna be less effective on those home run plays and I wouldn't be surprised if Christian McCaffrey, I, I think Christian McCaffrey's a better value than Alvin Kamara in terms of a running back in 2018. Oh, for sure. And if Alvin Kamara doesn't get those 300 touches that Pete speculated on, he's going to be a bust in non-PPR drafts because he's going in the top five picks. You talked about somebody taking him ahead of David Johnson. There's just, it doesn't make any sense. You talk, his yards per carry are going to plummet whether they start running him inside or not because nobody averages six yards per carry in back-to-back seasons. If they start running him inside, it might fall to the low fours. And I don't know that he'll be effective in that role anyway. Right. That's, see, that's why they keep, Coaches are liars. Coaches, every, they lie. They lie. That's what they do for a living. And the idea, like, I am, I feel very confident. Even Drew Brees said on, uh, Bill Ryder's show on CBS Sports HQ, uh, Ryder's Block, that he's like, Alvin Kamara is going to be our guy. He's going to be our feature back. It stinks. It stinks that they're saying this. Everyone's saying this. Everybody's on the same company line. Somebody's going to pop up in those first four games. And it, I don't know. I don't know who it's, I mean, that's that's what you watch for with the Saints in the preseason is who looks sharp in terms of these younger backup running backs. Oh, for sure, or or maybe the old one. Right, right, or ter- old old ass Terrence West rolling along. Uh, <laughs> flip into the Saturday games and, and we'll roll through. Well, actually, we're doing all right on time as long as you're good on time, right? You don't. You're not I'm good. Right? Okay, I'm cool. good. Um, Jaguars, Vikings, the the Jags. <laughs> this what's the over that over under in that game should be like twenty five. Um, I I kind of tend to think that the Vikings skill position guys are being drafted a little bit lower than they probably should be. I mean, maybe Dalvin Cook is in the first round, so that's fine. Um, but Kirk Cousins is a value. Stephon Diggs is a value. And Adam Thielen is definitely a value. You can get him at a very good price. I think I could, I could see this being a nice little test of Kirk Cousins and what the Vikings could do on offense against uh, what should be at least a motivated defense, right? Yeah, because the Saints didn't really seem to have any trouble moving through that defense in the first preseason game. So it'd be interesting to see if Minnesota does as well. On the Jacksonville side, I'm going to be watching those wide receiver snaps with the first team pretty closely because they've got like seven of them and they don't have a number one wide receiver. I like D.D. Westbrook quite a bit. It's just such a crowded field of wide receivers and it may be a situation where it's a different guy each and every week. But for the first week of the preseason, at least, we saw a lot more DD than what this summer had led us to believe. Yeah, and Keelan Cole, the other guy there that Pete Prisco has been banging the table for. And Pete, when Pete gets up, when he stands up, when he climbs a little tiny ladder onto that little tiny table, and he starts banging his little fist on the table, he's usually pretty right. Like, he, he usually hits on those guys. Oh, so yeah. I think Keelan Cole is uh, certainly a guy to watch. That's a good point, though. The, the wide receiver snaps is going to tell you a lot about who might emerge on that team. Uh, for the Rams and the Raiders... Are you a buyer? Are you a buyer or seller in the Jordy Nelson comeback attempt in Oakland? I was a seller early on. I, I've seen a couple of things in training camp that made me a little bit more encouraged. And listen, we know John Gruden likes his old guys, so yes, maybe he, he gets more targets than he deserves. 
the key for Jordy is going to be, can he get open at all? Because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers throwing into those tight windows anymore. And then can he stay healthy? Right. Um, I am, I am just interested. I'm interested to see if the Raiders can continue to keep this offense moving the way they did in that first game, because if they can, then I'm going to start buying more and more stock in both Jordy Nelson and Amari Cooper. I'm, I'm all, I'm all in on Amari Cooper this year and not in a way that like I have to spend a second round pick on him, but third or fourth round, if he's sitting there, I'm going to take him. I think he and he and Mike Evans are guys that people soured on last year that are good bounce back options. People that you can buy cheap. Everybody's poo pooing them because of the quarterback of the coaching situation. Um, but the Raiders to me are an offense that may be a little bit untapped just because people are thrown off by, by Gruden's general insanity. Um, nothing. Is there anything to glean from the Rams? I mean, they're they're just gonna be good, right? I mean, are, are they going to play anyone this week? Because no. they didn't play anyone in their first preseason game. I don't. I think they're kind of like the. It's kind of like the same thing as the Eagles. Like half of the Eagles team seems to be they're not practicing or on the pup and definitely not playing in the preseason. And they, every time you ask them about it, they're like, "Oh, we're really happy with how he's doing." So <laughs> I, I, these teams are contenders to go to the Super Bowl, and they're not worried about the first couple of weeks of the preseason. Sean McVay's shown a real propensity to sit guys. That's concerning. Like, he dumped everybody week 17, and they had a seed to play for, um, and it ended up perhaps costing because they weren't ready. But uh, I like Brandon Cooks in that situation. See, well, I don't think they'll uncork him at any point. I am curious how, speaking of the Rams, how a former Rams uh, quarterback's coach continues to let this offense look in uh, in, in Tennessee. Marcus Mariota – Sleeper, I, I, the the problem I have with Tennessee is how are they going to deploy these running backs? Derrick Henry looks slimmed down. He looks he looks explosive. He looks like he can grind between the tackles. I'm buying on Derrick Henry even as people continue to sell with the addition of Deion Lewis and the continued offseason stuff. I like the I like the I like the offensive line. I, this is a good matchup too because Tampa Bay, if they play their starters, has a very stout defensive line with the addition of Vita Vea. Uh, Gerald McCoy, of course, is there. They added you know pass rushers Jason Pierre-Paul, etc. Uh, Vinnie Curry. So. I think this is a good test of how does how does Derrick Henry look against a strong defensive line, and can he be effective as an A and every down back, and B a guy who sets the tone out of the gates. Yeah, and uh, what I would like is if they would just give these guys defined roles. I'm not sure if they're going they're to do that, to. but if they would just show us a little bit of that in the preseason, like I'd expect Derrick Henry's going to get maybe three or four carries for every two carries that Deion Lewis gets, and Lewis is going to get most of the catches in the passing game. But I do agree with you, and the one thing that might be worth watching this team has not thrown the ball in the red zone hardly at all Mm. they've got a new coaching staff that might change but they have been running back or touchdown gold for running backs DeMarco Murray got a ton of carries inside the 10-yard line and it hurt Marcus Mariota so if maybe they're going to open it up a little bit more in the red zone that might help Mariota and then of course I'd I'd love if we could see Corey Davis in preseason action it sounds like he's back feeling better I just don't know how much they're going to run him out there because they can't trust that he's going to stay healthy. Yeah, if he plays 16 games, he could have a monster year. But you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to have the support in front of him in terms of your fantasy team to make. You don't want him to. You can't have him be your wide receiver one, or else you're not going to go to the playoffs. And and then of course, the, it'd be nice to see Ronald Jones do something good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Apparently, he today he had trouble catching the handoff. Fumbled a couple of handoffs. He can't catch passes. He's having trouble pass blocking. Like, I can't imagine we're actually going to see Peyton Barber as the starting running back for the Buccaneers. Say, but. It doesn't pass the say it out loud test. Like, hey, Peyton Barber's our starter. Like, is he, is he, is he? <laughs> well, right now I think he is, and it's solely on Ronald Jones. All he, like, it's common for coaches to say we're going to make this rookie earn the starting role. Ronald Jones is doing nothing to earn that role right now. This rookie running back class is falling apart. Before our very eyes. I mean, Geis is done for the year. Ronald Jones is losing his starting job. Rashad Penny looks like he might be a waste out in Seattle. Uh, Naheem Hines is fumbling punts. It's, it's not, Saquon Barkley's got a bad hammy. Not good. I, I kind of like it for the contrarian take receivers early. Ooh. Because normally when you take contra- receivers early, you're taking a bunch of boring guys that are going to get 200 carries, but nobody really wants to start them in fantasy. And now we're seeing a situation where Sony Michelle's falling to the, maybe the eighth round. Mm. We've got Rashad Penny falling to the 10th round. We've got Chubb there in the 11th or 12th round. It does make it a little more, more exciting if you want to go the other way. All right. Do you, you're a wide receiver, wide receiver guy out of the gates usually, right? Like that's your, that's typically your move, right? That's typically the way I've ended up going this year because we've got 10 running backs going in the first round. Okay, so if you have a top five, because this is, I'm a wide receiver, wide receiver guy too, and I like the idea of, especially if you're at the back end of a draft, you can get Odell and Julio. 
or Odell, AJ Green. I mean, you know, Odell, yep. whatever the combo is, it's a great combo. Are you going to go wide receiver if you have a top five pick? I have, I'm going to take Antonio Brown if I have the fifth pick and he's there. All right. What about or top four pick? Sorry. I actually took him fourth today over David Johnson. I saw that. So yeah, I, and I don't feel comfortable with David Johnson anywhere I rank him. I've got him as the number four running back. I kind of think he's in a tier of his own. He's definitely mm. better than all the guys behind him, but he feels a little bit less certain than the th- the big three at running back. And it's just because that Arizona offensive line is not good. And I'm not sure they're going to have a good quarterback. The offense might just be pretty terrible. Okay. That's fair. And so look, you might be able to get Antonio Brown at like seven in your league. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. People, right. Run, I mean, running backs, people are, people are going right. We're due for a regression in this running back market at some point because it, it hasn't always been like this over the last five to six years. It was like this in 08 and 09 and uh, when people were, you know, but there's a lot of value in wide receiver early. So I was just curious how, how you, uh, well, how you, no, go ahead. Yeah. One of, one of the things that I, I wrote about today actually is you get to the end of the draft and you're, or end of the first round, you're looking at DeAndre Hopkins versus the number 10 running back. Even last year in a year that was terrible for wide receivers, the number two wide receiver outscored the number 10 running back by like 30 fantasy points. Wow. So it's not even a gamble at that point. Yeah. That's, if you're on the back end of a draft, you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and then pile up running backs as you go along through the draft. And don't let, if you're the top four, it's fine. Top four or five, it's fine to take a running back, especially if you get one of the big guys. But otherwise, um, it's being good. It's Zeke Elliott. I don't think there's any reason to be scared of Zeke. I am curious. This is the one of the more interesting flips in this offseason was the that nobody's really talking about was the Cowboys and Bengals swapping offensive line coaches, and the Bengals now have a good one, and the Cowboys have one who like has weird philosophies about life and and why he would trust a player. Are you at all? Do you need to see that the Cowboys offensive line can operate at, at full efficiency to trust Zeke Elliott? I think there's enough talent there and there's not enough talent in the wide receiving core that Zeke actually mm. probably gets more work in the passing game than he has in the past. Well, I think what's more interesting in that game as far as the offensive lines is can we see a little bit more success for Joe Mixon? Cause he's already climbing up draft boards. He, he makes another big play in this game and, and he's going to be a surefire second rounder. He's going like, you can't get him in the third round now. I mean, no. or you, I mean, by the, by the time the season starts, if he does that again, that move on the sidelines was ridiculous. Um, yeah, Joe Mixon, if you like him and you want him, it's going to cost you a, a late second rounder, early third rounder. It might be more expensive. Good point. What about snaps for the Cowboys wide receivers? Are you, I thought Michael Gallup with a nice catch from Dak Prescott in the first week. How do you stand on what you want to see from those, from those wide receivers? It's going to be interesting because actually I think Alan Hearns and Terrence Williams were the starting receivers for that, which is fine. Whatever. They played more steps with the starters. I, Gallup's going to have to do something else before I elevate him any higher in terms of what I'm expecting out of target share. I still think Hearns and Williams. And then they've got this weird thing with Cole Beasley and right. Tavon Austin where they're going to give them too many touches probably. <laughs> so uh, Gallup's going to need to keep making keep making plays, but I want to see how many snaps he gets with the first-team offense. All right, uh, speed round through the final three games. 49ers at Texans, Bears at Broncos, Seahawks at Chargers. What stands out to you in terms of those are the late games on Saturday? Most people will be far too uh, donked out on, on, on high-gravity high, level, high stouts to be able to focus, but that's fine. We'll do the focusing for you. What, uh, what do you want to see from those games in particular in terms of identifying fantasy targets? I want to see Lamar Miller a little bit more because I thought he, kind of like Jeremy Hill for the Patriots, mm. looked a little bit thinner and looked just a little bit more spry. And nobody wants to draft Lamar Miller right now they as the really number two don't. running back. They really don't. <laughs> and a part of that's because they think Foreman's better. I'm not sure that's going to matter if Foreman's on the pup to start the year. Right. So I, I'd like to see what Lamar Miller looks like. And then is the Jimmy G, Marquise Goodwin connection still just continuing to grow and flourish because he looks like the surefire number one in that offense. And what we've seen in the past from Kyle Shanahan is whoever the number one is is going to get peppered with targets. And as everybody who writes about or studies fantasy and everybody who plays should know, opportunity matters more than talent a lot of times in, in fantasy football. Yes, it does. And then in that Seattle, for Seattle, Brandon Marshall is getting a lot of buzz. That's it's, don't buy it. Can't buy well, it. I don't buy it in terms of him being a receiver, but we make jokes about older, bigger receivers turning into tight ends. And they lost Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, Graham. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Graham caught 10 touchdowns. They've got a lot of passing touchdowns to replace with Graham and Richardson gone. And Marshall's basically undrafted right now in drafts. It, completely undrafted. You can get him for free. And you're right. If he catches a bunch of touchdowns, he's a startable guy week in, 
Not a week in and week out, but I mean, like, if he's getting the red zone targets in Seattle and Doug Baldwin, or is Doug Baldwin on your do not draft list at all? I mean, he's not because of the way that he's fallen. He, he's available. I think he went in the fourth round of our most recent draft. Yeah. And when Doug Baldwin's 100%, he's a late second round pick. So he's fallen enough to where I'm not really worried about him. There were some reports that he was running sprints today. We still don't know exactly what that injury is, but I'm not overly concerned about it at his cost. Okay. All right. And, uh, and then the bear, well, we'll get to one last one. Bears, Broncos. Do you need to see Alan, do you need to see Alan Robinson perform well against a good defense? I don't really have, a, I, I, how do you feel about this Bears offense? Cause I, I know they've been anointed as the Rams of 2018 I think already. I think it's a trick. I think, I, I think, think it is too. I think like, see, I think the Titans are the 2017 Rams or the 2018 version of the Rams and the Bears are going to be, like Matt Nagy isn't a Sean McVay guy. He's an Andy Reid guy who had, I mean, you watch him a lot as a, you know, somebody who, who's a big Chiefs guy. I mean, he, he had a really nice stretch in the regular season and then a really bad stretch in the postseason, um, calling plays in the second half. I, I just don't think that it's going to be this explosive, up-tempo, crazy offense. I think somebody wrote about it. Uh, I think maybe Dan, Danny Kelly for the ringer, I think wrote about this, but Andy Reid doesn't run high octane offenses. He runs, he runs different formations and he, and he tricks people, but he runs kind of a slow, methodical offense in terms of usage of the play clock. And, and Andy Reid doesn't generally give a ton of targets to the number one wide right. receiver. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 105 last year, and Allen Robinson hasn't historically been the type of efficient wide receiver that's going to be great with that because he catches about half of his targets. On the other side of the game, I want to see Royce Freeman continue to do enough mm-hmm. that I don't have to worry about the Broncos doing something stupid at the start of the year with Devontae Booker. Because <laughs> that's that was my biggest concern with him is they're going to let Booker be the starter for a couple of weeks and tamp down Freeman's value. I, I think Freeman could be – he's my number two running back in this rookie class right now. Yeah, I think no-brainer given how everybody's falling apart. All right, uh, Heath Cummings. Follow him on Twitter at Heath Cummings Senior. Listen to him on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. If you like fantasy baseball and you're making a run at the playoffs, listen to him on Fantasy Baseball Today. What's your baseball football percentage at this point? Pretty low on baseball, right? It's about 90% football. I'm still on the podcast twice a week, but, yeah, it's going more and more towards football. The busiest man in Fort Lauderdale with the best beard and the best beer taste. Uh, I will hopefully see you in a few weeks, buddy, and I will bring you some beer. Thanks for hopping on. Hey, thanks for having me.